All right. Hey, if you guys would turn with me to 1 John. 1 John. Uh, we'll be in the book of 1 John, a little book towards the back. If you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. We want to get you a Bible so you can follow along with us. We've got some guys passing out Bibles. Uh, we've been making our way through the book of 1 John. This is actually our 10th uh, week, I believe, in 1 John. So we've been rushing through it, as you can tell. But we are in 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. And while you're turning there, let me just kind of give you a little update, what's been going on, what's happening. Um, if you guys weren't here last week, uh, we shared a little update with you guys. Um, we will be pursuing a relationship with Quiet Waters Elementary. The goal, just so you guys can all hear this and it's really clear, the goal is by December 10th, we'll be meeting at Quiet Waters Elementary um, Sunday mornings uh, at 10.30 a.m. So that is the goal. The goal is that December 10th, Quiet Waters Elementary will be in there. Now we're not sure, yeah, we'll see how that works out. Um, it kind of depends on insurance, it depends on a few things, but um, we're going to try to get there if we can by December 10th. So if you guys would, please keep that in prayer. Um, that has been really cool how the Lord kind of made that connection. From my understanding, Quiet Waters for several years never would rent out to a church. They got a new principal this last year. We knew the principal's assistant, and so that's kind of how we made the connection with them. Um, Quiet Waters Elementary is on Hillsboro and Powerline, basically. It's just a little bit west of here, but it's in Deerfield. And so uh, the goal is in just a few weeks. We'll be there Sunday morning at 1030. We'll keep you updated. We are meeting here next week at 5 p.m., but just want you guys to know that. Um, it's been fun just to watch what the Lord's been doing. It's been fun to just pray and just kind of see God show up in different ways. So if you've been with us on this journey, thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your help and support. Uh, it's been neat to just kind of see what the Lord's been doing in that way. So just want you to be aware of that. Uh, we mentioned this last week. In light of that, we really could use some help. So uh, if you would like to serve with kids, if you'd like to serve with hospitality, if you'd like to serve with production or AV, worship, in all of those areas, we could really use help. Um, the, the, the part of having one service that's kind of tough is that not everyone gets a break. So we want to be able to have enough volunteers we can rotate people around so they can actually go in and enjoy service. So if you guys don't know, we have a truck that comes here every week, a truck that was donated by God's grace, given to the Exchange Church. They come here at 3 o'clock, we load everything except for service. We would love more help with that. So if any of those areas interest you, please see myself, please see the connect table afterwards, then a room next door where there's coffee and, and donuts, all that. Uh, please go there and meet someone. We'd love to have you be a part of this with us. We could really use your help in that way. So 1 John chapter 5. Also, let me just mention this. I mentioned this last week. It's probably worth noting. Uh, there was a, a donor, a guy that just really believes what the Lord's doing here, and he says, hey, in light of the change, in light of the, the needs of going to school, again, we're using other people's stuff right now, their AV equipment, their cords, all that. He wants to give a matching gift of up to $2,500, which is a crazy blessing. So he says, hey, whatever you can raise between now and December 1st, I want to match up to $2,500. So whatever comes in outside of the normal weekly tithe, he wants to match in that way. So that's a really big blessing for us because it'll help us get TVs where we can have worship lyrics and different things like that. So I just want you guys to be aware of that. Next few weeks, I'll end uh, the last weekend of December, or of this month before December. So just want you to know that. First John chapter 5. Here we go. Just let me review really quick with you guys. In this book, if you've been with us or haven't been with us, John's doing a couple of things. He's trying to reveal those who are false Christians but claiming to be Christians. And he's also trying to comfort those who are real Christians but have doubts. So one of us might be in one of those two categories. He's trying to expose those who say, I believe in Jesus, and yet their lifestyle does not reflect that. And he's trying to comfort those who are Christians but go, I don't really know if I'm saved. And so this book is kind of intense. John is an older guy. He's probably writing this around 80 to 100 years old. Uh, John's probably in his 90s when he wrote this. This might be the last book John ever wrote. The last book of the Bible that was penned is most likely 1 John. Uh, John repeats himself a lot. He's an old guy, remember? So I like that. He just repeats himself. He talks a lot about love. Uh, he talks a lot about community, fellowship with God, walking in light. 
These have been kind of some of the main themes in 1 John. Now, there's something I want to point out kind of this book, because there's two extremes again with this. There's this idea that in 1 John, you might read this and think, man, but what happens if I sin? What happens if I sin? And how can I really know I'm saved? And there's an extreme of almost reading this book and kind of getting freaked out in your faith, because John's pretty intense on sin. And so John's trying to, again, comfort you and also expose false Christians. I think it's just worth noting this. Last week, we talked about all things love. We studied one of the best texts, I honestly believe, in the Bible. is 1 John chapter 4. We looked at a lot of verses there. We talked about all things love. And, and John said this phrase that we focused on is that we love God because he first loved us. See, some of us really struggle with loving God. If you talk to Christians, it's like, I'm having a really hard week showing my love for God. And the point John's trying to make is don't start there. Don't start in your love for God. Never start in trying to prove your love for God. Start with God's love for you. If we could get one thing as Christians to try to embrace more is we don't have to prove our love for God. God proved his love for us, and we love him out of response to that love. We love him because he first loved us. So we got to stop trying to, like, work it or earn it. The idea is rest in his love. Enjoy his love. Let everything you and I do come from place of his love and boast in his love, not in our love. So John is saying this. He kind of defined all things love. It's kind of a great text. Uh, and now John, we'll look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 through uh, chapter 5, verse 5. Um, kind of gets intense again because John likes to do that. So uh, if, I, if you're just taking note or if you want to kind of see what we're talking about, what we're looking at today specifically is how to become an overcomer. How to overcome. How to overcome sin. How to overcome the world. How to, how to just overcome in general life. And basically, in summary, John says this, and we'll look at this more in depth, but he says, love plus belief equals an overcomer. How can you and I be an overcomer? John says, love plus true belief, belief that leads to obedience, love plus belief equals an overcomer. So how can we actually overcome sin and temptation and trials? John says it's love plus belief equals an overcomer. So let's read 1 John chapter 4. Uh, we stopped in verse 19, so we'll pick off in verse 20. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. John writes, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that, we, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who's begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. It's good news, right? We just want to pray again that this is one of those texts where it just goes downhill from here. That's probably the best it gets. And uh, we'll just pray and kind of go downhill. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you that, again, we can take time and slow down and read about you and enjoy you. And God, I know that in my own life, I'm defeated so often God, that sometimes in this Christian life, we can feel defeated a lot. We ask that, Jesus, we could just rest in your victory. That, God, we place our faith in your victory. God, I ask for everyone in this room, again, who's wiped out, who's tired, who's exhausted, who's frustrated, God, that you'd speak to them, that you'd encourage them. 
that God, again, for us, we would not just read about love, we would not just read about your love, but that your love would be placed in our hearts. God, let there be genuine love for each other. God, even if there's differences, even if there's political differences, even if there's different ideas about life, God, just place love in our hearts for each other, we ask. Just move in this room, move in this place. In your wonderful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So a few hours ago, uh, my wife and I and our, my in-laws, we got back from Disney. Um, we just spent the week there. My in-laws are in town from, Cal- from California, so we took our two-year-old son to, uh, to Disney World, right? And it was fun, made a lot of memories, a really good time, a lot of great food. Just kind of like what we did was eight, and then we went to new places and ate. It was great. Good trip. Uh, but again, we took a two-year-old. And I, I love watching Disney through the eyes of a two-year-old. It is fun. He enjoys it more. He gets very excited over things I don't get excited about. But it's fun to watch it through the eyes of a two-year-old. Uh, but it's, again, he's, he's two. So we're definitely in that ter- terrific two you know, stage right now, right? Like, we're in that stage where, like, it's so much fun. But in a second, he can go from having a blast having a meltdown. Like, in, in Disneyland, I know it's the most magical place on Earth. Like, my wife and I have heard the news here. It could be, you know, the most meltdown-y place on Earth. Like, everywhere you look, you just see a child losing it. Like, losing their mind in every line. And you have, and it's Disney, so there's millions of people that just look at you like, you're an awful parent. You're like, yes, this is mine. I'm an awful parent. I agree. Um, but it's hard. It's hard. And I have so much more grace now. When I see a child losing it, I'm like, oh, I love that parent. Like, I used to, like, judge them in my mind. Now I'm like, oh, God be with you. So good for you. Um, but we had those moments. My wife took him down to the pool yesterday while I was studying for this. And she said he'd walk up, like, in the little kid pool, like, you know, it's, like, six inches deep. And there's two little girls. And he's the only boy. So there's Tarzan hair. And super, he's a boy. And he just walks up to the girls. And she's like, say hi. And he looks at the girls and starts splashing them. And so she takes him to the bathroom. And, you know, he didn't scare the rocks by the child. So she disciplines him. She brings him back out. Say you're sorry. And he walks up to the girls, walks off, and looks at them and starts splashing again. And she takes him back to the bathroom over and over again. All right. And, and sometimes it's exhausting. It really is exhausting. You feel like you just disciplined him, and then you, he goes back to the same thing, and, and it's just like this repeat over and over again of discipline. Now, what is the other option, right? What is the other option? The other option, you, and we've seen this, parents, you know, their child is losing it, and at some point they're just kind of like, I don't <laughs> give up. Like, I don't care. It's fine. I don't want to fight them anymore. And you kind of see the other options, well, what if I just don't discipline them? And I don't know if you've ever talked to a parent that wants to be this really cool, like the cool parent. The parent that's like, oh, I, I just want my kid to make mistakes and do that really cool, you know, let him figure it out on his own. It's like, okay. In their mind, they're trying to show the child a lot of freedom. But let me just, let's be honest. If you never discipline a two-year-old, and then he's five, and you never, never discipline him when he's five, you never discipline him when he's 10 or 15 or 20, he's going to have a really hard life, right? Like you say, I, have, I want him to ha- or her to have freedom. So therefore, I don't want to say, no, this is wrong or this is the right way to do it. I want them to express themselves and be themselves. And you're going to have a person who's not going to work well with others. You're having a person who's not going to understand authority. You're going to have a person who doesn't understand when someone says no, it's a no. So you really, if you never discipline a child, you think you might be giving them freedom, but in reality, they're becoming a slave to themselves, right? In reality, they're going to become a tyrant. In reality, no one's going to want to be around that person. You think, oh, this is so much freedom. Let's, let's go, like, imagine that. Give a two-year-old just to grow up and no rules, no discipline, what happens? How does that person turn out to be? How do they interact with the community? I think the most unloving thing you can do is not discipline your child. I think the most loving thing you can do is discipline them. You see, now, how does this work for us, right? Like, this is the same way. Like, how does this apply to us? The most loving thing I think God can do sometimes is to discipline us, is to give us rules, is to give us standards. What if he didn't? You know, think about it in our own mind. In our own mind, we think, God, I got it. Like, I can do this myself. You know, I was born this way. This is who I am. Don't tell me this is wrong. Don't tell me this is right. I can figure it out. I know more than you, God. And I think the most unloving thing you can do is just continue to let that person head in that direction. The most loving thing we can do sometimes 
and stop someone and say, no, there is a right, there is a wrong. Whom God loves, he disciplines. Whom God loves, he pursues, he chastises. You, some of the most loving things we can do is actually give rules or commands or standards. And this is kind of what John is saying. No one loves, if I say the word commands, no one loves that rule. No, no one loves that word. The Bible's like, this is a commandment. Immediately, there's something within all of us that says, I want to break that. Like, if they go, this is the rule, don't touch this. You're like, well, now I'm going to touch it. Like, there's just something within us. We hate, we hate commands. We hate rules. We hate boundaries. Overcome. I will grant you to sit with me on my throne. 